When the pandemic first hit the States, many didn't know what to expect. Was this an extended spring break for elated high school students? Or was this a brutal hit on the world's most vulnerable people? According to an article by The Lancet on respiratory medicine and discovery science, many social determinants of health, including poverty and physical environments, such as smoke exposure or homelessness, as well as race or ethnicity, can have a considerable effect on COVID-19 outcomes. Homeless families are at higher risk of viral transmission because of crowded living spaces and scarce access to COVID-19 screening and testing facilities. A piece written by Usha Lee McFarling for Stat News describes the homeless as the invisible victims of COVID-19, marginalized not just in life, but also in death. In fact, the Howard Center for Investigative Journalism describes the pandemic as a crisis within a crisis for homeless people. According to a study by the University of Toronto Press, social distancing and self-isolation are two of the key responses asked of citizens during a pandemic. For people without a home, this advice is rather more difficult to follow. The study demonstrated large flows from and into the broader community, as well as between shelters. Now, some homeless people are already choosing the streets over shelters, having experienced PTSD, mental disorders, fear, and trauma, as I learned through an NPR podcast. Now, outreach is increasingly vital, as stay-at-home mandates are obviously not a practical solution for these individuals. The U.S. Interagency Council on Homelessness has tweeted policy and mandate updates for the individuals who are experiencing poverty to keep up to date on upcoming deadlines and regulations. But no one is more in tune to these realities than homeless shelters themselves. I will be discussing a specific shelter in Howard County, Maryland, in connection with the sustainable development goal of ending poverty, specifically addressing homelessness and surrounding issues. Today, I will be going in-depth about this specific shelter, as well as how certain challenges in addressing this goal have been shaped by the pandemic. Grassroots Crisis Intervention Center is a 24-7 single access point for behavioral health, crisis, and homeless services for individuals and families in Columbia, Maryland. Their mission is to serve those in need and do so through their 24-hour general crisis hotline and walk-in counseling program, special youth services, shelter program, support services, and a variety of other programs. The workers at the center are kind and caring. Their aim is not to judge, but to transform. They try to restore a sense of dignity in their clients, most of whom can't remember the last time they were treated with any inkling of compassion or respect as human beings. Now, I myself volunteered at Grassroots all throughout high school. It was only 20 feet away from my school's building. My senior year, this was quickly cut short when the shelter was forced to shut its doors. And our next door neighbors were nervous. What does this mean for shelter residents and workers? How does this shape how the community and volunteers like myself could help? I sat down with Grassroots Volunteer Coordinator Monteith Mitchell. Walking through Grassroots' familiar double doors, I was hit with a deep sense of nostalgia. On the other side of the one-way mirror, I know there are hardworking staff trying to do their best. I felt a sense of familiarity and unease hopeful that everyone was doing all right. As I wait in the lobby, a little girl and her sister begin playing with a hand sanitizer sensor, giggling and squealing. Their mother looks tired, but she smiles warily nonetheless. She looks up at me, and we smile at the girls together. 
So much has changed. There's now a receptionist with a desk by the entrance. Monteith greets me and takes me around the building I frequented every day for four years. The spaces have all changed. She warns me before taking me up to where we used to play with the kids. It's heartbreaking, she says. The kids' playrooms have been stripped of color and turned into large cubicles. The silly putty stains have been scrubbed off the walls. There was no kids' program anymore, and there hadn't been since the start of the pandemic. Monteith leads me to her new office, stacked to the brim with boxes, papers, and gifts for shelters and volunteers. During our meeting, Monteith leaves the door open. Two or three women stop by to check in with requests and updates. One of them, Anna, works at Grassroots as the operations manager. She was on her way to pick up Mission Barbecue dinner for everyone. With a smaller number of staff, there's a greater variety of tasks to make things happen than aren't in the job description. The workers at Grassroots are extraordinary. This isn't part of my career path at all, Monteith Mitchell chuckled. Mitchell worked in broadcast journalism for 10 years before switching to education. She became an elementary school teacher and then worked at two colleges. When she got to Maryland, she knew she wanted to change career paths. She was working for a mental health agency when she went to a church and heard about a cold weather shelter. She went to an information session and ended up working overnight. Mitchell later began volunteering within grassroots employment services, and seven years later, she works as their volunteer coordinator. Mitchell didn't expect her job to encompass such a wide variety of things, from ordering supplies to hiring people. The places she'd worked at before had always had more people doing work in administration, but now human resources ended up being half her job. At first, it was a little discombobulating. Now it was too familiar to think twice about. The biggest challenge that came to mind for Mitchell during her seven years at Grassroots was handling donors and their expectations. She had to learn how to interact in honorable and respectful ways with people who wanted to push their agendas on her rather than what the facility wants and needs. Mitchell was taken back by how needy donors and adult volunteers could be. She alludes to a time when she had pissed off a donor who was prominent in the community. I quickly recalled being there myself during the time. Donors can easily feel entitled when attaching their name, time, and resources to a cause. This often overshadows the actual mission of the organization at the expense of those willing and able to get the work done for the right reasons. So what is actually needed? Mitchell says people who can just come in and be willing to help however they can. People who are healthy, consistent on time, and who truly want to help the agency. She emphasizes the importance of showing up and doing what's needed. She gestures to some bins in her office that hold volunteer appreciation gifts. Volunteer recognition is a big thing, she says. They're not employees. Social distancing in a shelter with residents and non-residents using services intermittently and unexpectedly is difficult. Sleeping cubicles were put in place, but there was no realistic way to socially distance them at the tables in the cafeteria. Mitchell says that people had been good with masks for the most part, despite having a few cases. Grassroots used KN95 masks and face shields, offered vaccine clinics and testing, and worked hand-in-hand -hand with the health department sending updates about both staff and residents' vaccine status. Sadly, they did have a couple staff members pass from COVID. Mitchell describes going to a memorial service where she saw a whole era of grassroots staff.
Only seven years had passed, but so much work and change had happened throughout that time. Mitchell and the rest of grassroots staff were worried at first. The pandemic was, as many like to say, unprecedented, and they didn't know what to expect. To my relief, she tells me that donations during COVID had actually been even better than before. There was a surplus of everything. People were donating so much, grassroots actually ended up having to give the rest to the Day Resource Center and tossing the rest of it. The problem was, people were dropping off trash bags full of stuff that couldn't be sanitized. Grassroots needed new gifts and new items, not used trash from holiday and closet cleanouts. Regardless, residents wouldn't accept those items anyways due to fears of COVID. There's this prominent idea that beggars can't be choosers, but they can. And there's some very creative people out there. Grassroots received needed quilts, hats, and socks, as well as baked goods. These were all individually packaged items, and Mitchell felt more comfortable handing them out this way. Mitchell also started a sign-up genius for dinner meals, and donations, frankly, became a bigger part of her job than volunteers. There weren't any volunteers coming through grassroots doors for a while, until they began letting in adults who had been vaccinated. Even then, these volunteers were just handling the phones, not interacting with residents. Grassroots may have been open, but the doors were locked. The majority of volunteers now are doing meal service. Soon, volunteers will be required to be vaccinated against both COVID-19 and the flu. For the most part, people understand this, but Mitchell mentioned losing one volunteer in particular, who works in the school system, has been vaccinated against COVID-19, but doesn't believe in the flu shot. Sadly, because kids were at the time not able to get vaccinated, there has still not been a kids program since the pandemic. Not only could the kids not interact with volunteers, they couldn't interact with each other or with other families either. There was no place for the kids to meet anymore regardless, and they couldn't even play outside. In the summer, it was too hot, and already in November, it was getting too cold. Weather aside, grassroots didn't have the means to constantly sanitize everything all of the time, nor the volunteers needed to supervise the kids. Grassroots' annual holiday gift-giving event was no more. Prior to the pandemic, the event took days of sorting, preparing, and organizing. Rooms were filled to the brim with clothes, toys, accessories, books, and more. Volunteers were stationed throughout the shelter and event area, each trained and tasked in facilitating the event and helping families choose what they needed for themselves and for their kids. It was simultaneously a chaotic yet organized event. During the pandemic, Grassroots instead gave out gift cards to shelter residents and non-residents, those still disadvantaged members of the community. The gift cards were distributed during shifts in accordance with social distance guidelines. Through this method, they were actually able to serve more people. Normally, they served about 80 families, and this past year, they've served 113 families, and they're planning on doing it again. Mitchell described the New Beginnings Program, an opioid and stimulant stabilization program that is working with an expanding substance use disorder program to get people treatment. Grassroots had nursing staff 24-7 thanks to this program, which Mitchell is beyond grateful to have during the pandemic as well. New off-site programs include emergency rental assistance, family stability programs so families can stay in their homes and their kids can therefore stay in their schools, and an emergency motel program. 
Due to COVID, grassroots can't have as many hotline counselors as they previously did. Mitchell says they are bursting at the seams, alluding to a shortage of social workers. She acknowledges a need for more people in the mobile crisis team, but she herself mainly deals with the shelter program. Grassroots case managers are the ones who track the data, reports, and the evidence that measures their impact. They look at how many people have applied for housing, how many have been or have not been accepted, what kind of progress has or has not been made and why, credit scores, and unpaid bills. Grassroots has moved about 35 families out of the shelter and into subsidized housing just since April. With their new position of an ongoing case manager, they help people who have moved out with budgeting, life skills, and community resources with the ultimate goal of maintaining housing. Mitchell reads her monthly newsletter to donors for the month of October, citing a busy month. 44 people served in the shelter, 8 entered, 5 moved out, and a new program kicking off. Mitchell then takes me on a full tour around the shelter. I hadn't been back throughout the duration of the pandemic, and she wanted to show me all the new changes. She prepares me for the site of the rooms previously used for the kids to play in, which is now devoid of all color and personality. The art cabinets and colored floors are obstructed by large gray-blue cubicles that fill the room. Mitchell tells me that the kids currently at the shelter are mostly very young, ages 1 to 7. This is better, I think. Less independence means these kids are staying with their parents. They aren't as bored or restless. Mitchell takes me through three more rooms, practically identical. Grassroots is not only near the people it is aiming to help. It's the same space. Shelter residents walk freely between the outdoor areas, the rooms, and the cafeteria, at least prior to COVID. They knock on doors and engage in friendly conversations with staff as they walk by. There is no established distance alienating the staff and those helped. Grassroots is for the community and in the community. Grassroots' current building was built 13 years ago, but the older building prior to this one had issues with neighbors, complaints about residents using drugs, and community protests. People didn't want Grassroots there. Several of Grassroots' residents had come from Baltimore and didn't want to go back. Many of Columbia's residents at the time didn't want people from Baltimore in Columbia in the first place. But over the past years, residents at Grassroots have attended the same elementary, middle, and high schools as myself and many of my peers. They work at the grocery store down the road. They go on walks in our public parks. They're a fundamental part of our community, and no lesser due to the circumstances they are in. This community-based organization works to improve the quality of life for residents, children, and otherwise struggling and underprivileged members of the community who use their services. Grassroots targets poverty reduction through direct services from volunteers, staff, and board members. They handle funders' unrealistic expectations, exacerbated by power dynamics that make it both awkward and difficult to address. But while donors may have their complications, there are people who don't want anything in return. There are several benefits for volunteering, for the volunteers, the organization, the recipients, the community, and broader society. When resources change, nonprofits adapt, and they can thrive.